Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm joined this week again by my friend Miles Stevens. He's a district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company at the Pittsburgh South Residential Office. And I've actually been down there a couple of times and we have worked together for many years. And today we're talking about a really interesting topic about dogs in the landscape. And Miles, I hear you have a local expert that helped you a little bit out with this topic, huh? Yes, my daughter, that's her, her specialty is... Uh... Dog training went for that that type of stuff, and uh, has taken some college courses on it. So when I need I have questions, I need answered about dogs. Why we're good? So what are some of the challenges about having a dog and in the landscape? Dogs and trees go together like peas and carrots. So what are yeah. some of the challenges? Well, some of the challenges are first. I always look at having a a nice area for your dog to be outside. You know, and it's like don't put them out there. You know. One thing you see people, oh, I have an extra gravel area. Well, that's not so great when it's hot out, you know, so just in a sharp object. So I just look to, if you have a nice, you know, area, they get a little bit of sun, you know, it's colder out. They like to lay in the sun. And when it's warmer out, nice tree to lay underneath it. I mean, no different than people. You're going to take a nap. If you're going to take a nap outside, you're, gonna, you know, you're not, probably not going to lay in the middle of the sun at 90 degrees or 85. You're going to find that nice shady spot where your hammock is. And that's where you're going to hang out. And the dog's not a whole lot different. Just look for, but things like that, just a nice area, enough exercise area for them that, you know, good, healthy exercise and that type of thing is good, you know, um, maybe have a designated area for them. But big thing is just having a comfortable area for them, though. Not any different than a person. Well, one of the things that people complain about are the spots the dog leaves after going to the bathroom. So I like your idea of having a specific area for the dog. Then you don't have to worry so much about that. You know, dogs like to go to the same place time after time. And I know from, you know, people talking about their turf that there's all sorts of uh, issues with that. If they keep going over, over, over again, it causes brown spots in the lawn. Right. Yeah. So actually I have a designated area for them. Uh, you know, I've known a few people that had dogs who were so dedicated that, uh, you know, wherever the dog would go, they'd be out with a watering can. And that's, you know, that that's a great idea, but not necessarily overly practical for a lot of people, depending what your uh, work situation is, what your time situation is. You can do that. And I've seen where it's been highly effective for that. But, uh, you know, I can't say you could do that all the time. Right? It's not practical for most people. I've seen the same thing where people are dragging a hose around, you know, uh, again, like you said, not not practical. Are there plants that were growing out there that might hurt the dog? Yeah, they are. And it's like, I got a little list going there and it's like, a couple of them sort of surprised me a little bit, like Rosa Sharon. Really? Uh, I would ingest some of that. It's more likely to cause like irritation or um, maybe vomiting. Most times it's not going to be an extreme um, situation for them, but uh, Rosa Sharon, uh, tulips, Tulips is another one. You know, once again, I didn't really think of that, although, you know, and maybe because it's an early season type thing in a planting bed, the dogs don't get around a lot. But tulips, uh, lilies, another one to keep away I, from. 
I had heard about lilies, but I didn't know about tulips. You know, this is going way off base, but in the Netherlands, you know, during World War II, they actually had a thing called tulip soup. So there's something about that bulb you can eat, but it must be the flower itself must be something. that's Right. And irritant or whatever, which is, you know, not good for them. English ivy. I'm not sure if said English ivy can be a toxin. Um, Hydrangeas. Jeez. Another one, uh, rhododendron. Yeah, well, that's sort of surprise, but you know, maybe it's maybe a situation there where it can be uh, uh, toxic, not healthy for them, but they may not have any desire to chew on it anyhow. You know, what's interesting thing about dogs, not good for dogs, yet I see deer chew on rhododendron all the time, so it doesn't bother deer, but dogs somehow it's not a, a good thing for. Them. I don't know if it's said daffodils. Another one, use. So I think more of the use is more of the uh, the fruit, the cones that are a problem. You know, I know we have something in common. We both deal with dogs that aren't the smartest in the world. <laughs> Yet my two dogs have never tried to eat any of that stuff. It's good to know that uh, if you do see them nibbling on that, it could be a problem. Right. I, I think that the uh, their, whatever reason made us not their sense of smell and whatever is like, that's just not a good thing to eat. Yeah, not a plant thing, but I remember this coming up a few years ago. Something else that uh, can be unhealthy for uh, dogs is cocoa bean mulch. It's like coffee. It's like chocolate. So it has caffeine. And when you have in chocolate, it's supposed to be very bad. It could be more fatal to cats, I've heard. But cats, they're not interested in chocolate. They, they don't have any, for whatever reason, their taste buds are such. But for dogs, it can really be a problem for them if they do eat it. Miles, you brought up cats. Now we got to ask the question, dog person or cat person? Oh, dog person. All right. For for this uh, podcast, that's a good thing. <laughs> we do have two cats, you know, and, and they're nice, but I'm still a dog person. Always All been right. a dog person. Is there any kind of like grasses that you could plant that would be better off when it's, when you're talking about having the pets out there? I think you want to go turf grasses are going to be more high traffic tolerance. So like, you know, turf type tall fescue would be better. Uh, Kentucky bluegrass. I don't think ryegrass would be as good or fine fescue, but certainly turf type tall fescue and Kentucky bluegrass. Really in any situation, you're talking about higher foot traffic, be a person, being dog, you know, everything goes on. I think those are going to be your better, uh, your better choices for a turf grass there and more tolerant able to recover from the activity of the dog too. So, but those would be your two top ones for around here. What do you think about when we think about hardscaping around the, the garden? We've talked a little bit about it related to dogs, but concrete pavers, mulch beds, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, if just pavers, you know, little paths so you can get into where your plants are, you know, walk through the mulch. I get, I wouldn't really have a problem with that and mulch. You know, just uh, you may have to have some tolerance for uh, some excavation work by <laughs> dogs. You know, they decide to start digging, you know, and, and that can happen out of the blue sometimes. It's, you, know, you have a dog never digs and all of a sudden one day decides it smells something or something of interest or thinks there's a chipmunk or a squirrel hiding in there somewhere. Then they decide to go after it. But, you know, those are all fine and they should be gentle on the paws and whatever. So, you know, I, that's fine. I just uh, I would probably stay away from large. Uh, areas, surface areas covered by some sort of product, you know, be it cement, uh, you know, uh, that gravel, those type of things. I would probably stay away from those. Think of more so the heat of the summer, you know, it's just that heat radiates. So, you know, if you think about 
90 degree weather. Do you really enjoy walking down a sidewalk in a city street, that heat coming off there? Well, once again, you know, you think about it, at least we can perspire. A dog cooling system is, you know, panting or whatever, and depending on how thick your dog's coat is. I had a couple huskies. They were, that was tough on them. Wintertime, none bottom at all, but that's, you know, that summer stuff's hard on the dog. They're, they're not as efficient in some ways of cooling down. Just imagine wearing your winter coat and not being able to sweat, then you're trying to cool off. It doesn't work too good. Well, that leads me to shade, and, and who else better to talk to about shade than a tree guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ideal for him, for sure. So we know trees, but there's other things too that, you know, you could use for your dogs, I guess, uh, pergolas or umbrellas. Uh, right. You know, some landscape structure like that would be nice, you know, and, you know, and if that's in the middle of a, you have that set up on a, you know, even if it's a light pavement, totally sh- uh, shaded, it shouldn't be a problem. Or if it's in a landscape bed area type that, you know, with some smaller shrubs around it, maybe the dog's not inclined to dig up. Those would be nice too for the, the dog to hang out. I mean, they're going to, they're going to go to where they can feel most comfortable. So if you have some shade, you know, uh, structure there, they're going to go to that, you know, cold days, maybe not hot days. They'll, they'll, they'll go to those places. They're not a, you know, whether they're smart or not, they sense that they're uncomfortable and they're going to go to where they're comfortable. And that's just their nature, just like anything else. It's just like, if I'm sweating to death, I'm going to go somewhere I'm nice and cool. Dogs and do the same thing, hot, miserable, they're going to go where they can feel more comfortable. I think a lot of what we're talking about here too is also about being a good dog owner. Mm-hmm. You know, you really don't want the dog running wild in the back and finding some of these things that we talked about. And if you've got an area where they're digging, you know, it's certainly easy enough to fix, but it's about training the dog. And, and I think from listening to you having a specific area, like for me, you know, I got a 30 by 40 vegetable garden. I take the dog out, I close the gate and I watch the dog. You know, I want to make mm-hmm. sure that it's not, Basically, my I don't want him digging up my garlic or something like that. Right. Uh, but that little dog of mine, that keeps all the chipmunks out, keeps all the rabbits out, you know, just having her run around in there. So talk a little bit about being a responsible dog owner. Well, it's like, once again, providing a good environment for them to be in, you know, do those type of things, you know, uh, uh, let your dog have some time outside to sort of roam a little bit if you if you will you know they, they like seeing different things too you know walk your dog you know you know some people that works out well it's been on their neighborhood other people it's not such an easy thing to do but there are dog parks now that you can take your pets to let them get let them get some exercise you know that type of thing you know, those those are all good things as a good pet, pet owner you should do really you know my dog uses the garden like i do in fact it happened today she wants to go out wants to go out i take her out she just runs and lays in the sun and just enjoys time just sitting in the garden. That's not what she's supposed to be doing out there, but that's just what she does. Yeah, I mean, our dog will let what will take Thor out and he lays on the walk, you know, watches the world go by. Maybe it's warmer out in the grass and yeah, whatever. And then he barks when he wants to come back in when he's bored and decides, well, there's nothing going on out here, you know, whatever. But then he goes crazy if he looks out the window and if a feeder out there and also we got a squirrel likes to come to the feeder, well, then he's like ready to go out the window, you know, cause he's like, Ooh, you know, playtime or whatever. It's like, well, they don't want to play with you. See, you that's, know, that's, that's so funny that you say that because my dog's the same way. He thinks, she thinks that uh, she's protecting us from the squirrels or something. And when that squirrel comes to the feeder and I tried to dissuade those squirrels from getting to the feeder, but 
you know, they're always going to get there once or twice. That dog, same thing, goes nuts, runs right over me and, you know, wants to go out the window. Yeah. My husky used to have, she used to be fat birds. And it's like, you are not going to catch the bird. You know, forget it. And she'd be like jumping. She'd throw this hop. She'd hop up in the air. We'd die laughing because it was like, instead of running, she'd go bing, bing, hop up. It's like, you're not a bird dog. You're not going to catch the bird. So, but that, that's a little fine exercise for them, I guess. You know, gets them all excited. You know, I think she gets more excited. Then Thor gets more excited about seeing the, the squirrel and then a rabbit. that's out in front of the house sometimes too. She gets more excited than the cats do. Cats just sort of look. You know, he's like, tail wagging, ears up, ready to launch out the window. Well, let's talk a little bit about the season, a little bit about so – let's get some tree stuff going here besides the pets. What what have you seen so far this year that has you worried? Uh, I think we saw a decent amount of damage, winter uh, desiccation, drying damage, and I think a lot of that came about. We had that really quick freeze uh, in uh, right around Christmas time. A lot of boxwoods, hollies, arborvitae, uh, Blue Atlas cedar, all those took a pretty good beating in that. Uh, Hollies, for the most part, seem like they're starting to push out some new growth, but they're going to look sparse for a while. I mean, because they dropped almost all their leaves. Remember, we're out the properties looking at those and look bad, but you look at the buds. Well, the buds look pretty viable. They look good, and they've started to come back. Uh, waiting to see what the box would see how they recover. I mean, well, that's where I was going next because I was, you know, at an event yesterday and. I saw a whole line of boxwoods and they looked about halfway gone. Uh, You think in general, these plants, like I've, I've have a shrub shrub called caria. uh, That's a monster and it's usually evergreen eight foot by eight foot. The whole thing, you know, it's pushing up from the bottom, but the whole thing just turned Brown. I had to cut the whole thing back. Uh, I I heard uh, Pachysandra. um, Yeah. Even ivy, which are, these are tough as nails. Oh, yeah, ivy. I had somebody has a whole hillside in the back of their house, and it's all brown. Now, it's starting to push growth out, and I said, well, be patient. It's going to take, this is going to be a couple of years before this this recovers, this big, huge area as this is. But it is starting to green up or whatever. Yeah, packet, what was weird about Pachysandra, I saw Pachysandra beds, and it would be just like the edge, like maybe a foot in, then the rest behind it looked okay, but that, that front edge, on those beds, and especially if it was for the you know, west, northwest facing, was beat up a lot more. Then the rest of the bed might look okay, but that edge, that first little bit right on the edge was all brown. And, you know, and I'm anticipating that it'll, it'll probably come back too, but it's going to be slower. But the boxwoods are the ones that uh, bother me the most. I, I, you know, I still think with boxwoods, sometimes we sort of push it a little bit here with growing them here. I think a little more sensitive than we like to think they are with some of our weather. But that, that quick freeze really did a number on them. Well, something else when we get back to dogs that I think about, and I guess for for me too, are ticks. You know, mm-hmm. I worry I worry about ticks, and you know, I'm trying to wear protective clothing, but you know, I'm finding uh, you know ticks on the dog even this time of the year. Uh, I've heard that like we should get rid of our barberry first it's it's invasive but it's also supposed to be a tick magnet have you heard that yeah barberries um actually uh i do volunteer work out of raccoon uh, state park i do like trail maintenance and so i'm fighting the, the ever losing battle against uh, model floor rose and barberry but i know like model floor rose barberry even privet uh those are you know non-natives and one of the reasons that uh 
you find uh, more tick activity there. So they tend to green up earlier and they stay greener longer. So the ticks will stay in them longer. And, you know, I do what I can to protect myself against the ticks, but, you know, uh, cutting that back, you know, yesterday was a rarity. When I got done, I didn't have one tick on me. Usually, no matter what, I'll end up with ticks on me and just got to, you know, obviously get them off before they, but whatever. But the, I think, the, and Barberry, you know, they said they green up earlier, stay greener longer, the privet, bottle four rows. And so it makes a great um, place for them to hang out. And they're usually right along trails, which means people, mammals are going to pass right through there, which is what they're looking for. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that is, uh, that is an issue there. Uh, what's interesting with Barberry, I was at a meeting earlier this year. And of course, being invaded because of the berries, and I never thought much about it, but that's how, of course, they spread. They've actually coming out with some new barberries for the landscape that produce no fruit. Mm. But I think it's going to be a couple of years before we see that. But, uh, and but like, yeah. When you hear that, when you hear, like, like, I have a Rosa Sharon that's supposed to be sterile. Do you think it's going to be sterile? I mean, will it be sterile? That's, I, I always wonder. You know, the thing, the proof of the pudding is just like how many years ago, maybe 20 years ago, we come up with a new, you know, native dogwood that doesn't get anthracnose. Well, you know, it's okay in a very controlled situation. The, the reality of it all is when you put it out in the real world, when it's exposed to every scenario possible, and then you find out it may have a tendency to lesser severity, but it, it still gets anthracnose, you know, so... Same thing with that. You put it out in the environment, you know, it's like you have to wait and see what happens, whether it will be sort of like Jurassic Park. You know, they made them all females. They can't possibly. What happens is, you know, how that happened? Well, you know, things happen in nature, you know, and as a result, you know, these plants are supposed to be sterile and then they're not, you know, through time. So proof will be in the pudding, you know, how many years down the road, we'll see whether that was a good thing or not such a good thing. You know, that's happened before with plants as far as, planting trees. Oh, this is a great street tree, you know, honey locust or uh, sweet gum. And then honey locust puts out tons of roots and destroys sidewalks and sweet gum produces the fruit balls that nobody can clean up. So, but the guy came up with that idea. He's long since retired. So who cares? Like, <laughs> All right, Miles, that was good stuff. Uh, I think we're gonna have to get Thor and Lulu together because they sound like they're about on the same level here. Uh, <laughs> So as always, thanks for, for the great information and thanks for talking. And I'm we'll be talking soon on the radio show, and I'm sure we'll talk again here for the podcast. Great to see you. Great to see you too, Doug. Thank you very much. It's always fun to talk to an old friend like Miles. I think we're actually going to put a play date together for those two smart dogs. Now, tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I am your host, Doug Oster, and do me a big favor, subscribe to the podcast so you'll be able to listen to every episode we do. Have an idea for a show or a comment? Send me an email to podcasts at davy.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at D-A-V-E-Y dot com. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.